Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with Montana Republicans bashing transgender women, move on to old Joe asking for another shot, and follow all of that up with the never-ending story part three, Tucker Carlson got fired. Let's begin, shall we? Okay, I'm going to start this off by saying this is a hot take. I am a big fan of Katie Porter, the white board wielding minivan driving single mom turned U.S. representative from California. But Katie is doing the media circuit since she's running for Senator Dianne Feinstein's seat, which isn't vacant at the moment. But Katie has decided now would be a good time to tap into her inner every woman and call out millionaires who run for Congress and happen to be in Congress. And on the surface, this is an amazing thing for Katie to do. And I wish that she had brought her whiteboard with her when she appeared on Seth Meyers. But alas, Katie used her delicate voice to make a point about others she really should have been making about herself. Roll tape. So I hear a lot from people, like, people in Congress, they're cheating us. They're, they're, they're becoming millionaires. No! They took their millions in their little, I don't know how many briefcases it takes, but they took their millions to Congress. Congress is full of millionaires for the same reason the NBA is full of tall people. It's easier to get there. And what that means then is when we're talking about issues, there's a gap. I think it does divide who comes to Congress, how we govern, what issues we see as important. Like I said, on the surface, who could argue with Katie? Sure, people who start out with money have an easier time getting elected, like that story about a small loan of a million dollars the indicted Orange got from his father, which he used to build his grifting empire, and later became the first marginally sentient spray tan to win the presidency, with a little bit of help from his friends back in the former USSR, of course. But let's not go as far as to say that this congresswoman who knows the price of bacon is living the same life as average Americans, or will ever again. And I'm not talking about being elected. I'm talking about Katie Porter's net worth, the amount of money that she has in the bank that she never has to use on living expenses. See, as of 2023, Katie Porter is sitting on $1.5 million. Her salary as a congresswoman is $174,000 annually, and she's been in Congress since 2018. So she's earned $870,000 so far in her position as a congresswoman. But her net worth is $1.5 million, money that she's keeping in the bank and doesn't have to spend on bacon. Now, I don't have a whiteboard, but I can do math. And that leaves $630,000 left over that she didn't earn as an elected official. So that money must have been with her when she started her political career or money that she somehow acquired since becoming a politician. But either way, like she said, money changes what issues elected officials see as important. And while I'm a big fan of Katie Porter... 
I want every politician to recognize. We're not going to just take your word for it just because you got a D next to your name. She comes from comfort and now she is enjoying a millionaire's level of comfort, regardless of whether or not she's wearing a turquoise jean jacket. She's still wearing a jean jacket. And with that, let's move on to stupid things you can't believe Republicans are doing now. When Tennessee state Republicans expelled two black elected officials for breaking decorum rules, knowing that the actual punishment for that infraction was just censure, and then threw a fit behind closed doors because they were supposed to expel three instead of two, but one of their own had a change of heart and couldn't expel a white woman, a lot of people in this country were absolutely astonished at the blatant bigotry displayed by Tennessee Republicans. Montana state Republicans saw what happened and said, hey, hold my not gay beer. Republican members of the state house voted to ban the state's first openly transgender lawmaker, Democrat Zoe Zephyr, from the House floor. The Republican-controlled state house voted to punish transgender state representative Zoe Zephyr over comments she made about a bill that would deny gender-affirming care to minors. Zephyr had spoken days earlier during a debate on Montana's proposed ban on gender-affirming care for minors. If you vote yes on this bill, you see the blood on your hands. Republican leaders in the state legislature responded by demanding she apologize for her comments while denying Zephyr the chance to speak during debate this week. And they also attacked her by misgendering her. She's not allowed to debate any legislation and must vote remotely. The decision to prevent her from all in-person meetings came from a majority Republican House. Now, it may be the month of April, but Montana Republicans have melted like the snowflakes they are when the only transgender woman elected to their state house laid some inconvenient truth on them while debating whether or not to allow children to be who they are. Zoe rightfully told them that by banning gender-affirming care to children, there would be blood on their hands. According to the Trevor Project report from 2022, 55% of the Libidiqua youth in Montana have considered suicide, and 13% have already tried it. That is the blood that Zoe was talking about, and it's not her fault that Montana Republicans can't handle being confronted with the consequences of their legislation. Not only that, but when supporters of Zoe came out in droves to defend her at the state chamber, Republicans cowardly hid behind SWAT team-clad police who arrested adults and children for standing up for their representative. So now Republicans have voted along party lines to ban Zoe from entering the state house chamber. She can vote as long as she does it anywhere but in front of the rest of the Montana legislature because she has been banned for the rest of the session. And all because of this. Here is Zoe responding to Montana Republicans' use of decorum rules to silence her transgender voice, the only one of its kind in the Montana State House. And I will play this clip in its entirety because Zoe deserves to be heard, no matter what Republicans say. Last week, I spoke on the governor's amendments to Senate Bill 99, which banned gender-affirming care. This was a bill that was one of many targeting the LGBTQ community in Montana. I have had friends who have taken their lives because of these bills. I have fielded calls from families in Montana, including one family whose trans teenager attempted to take her life while watching a hearing 
on one of the anti-trans bills. So when I rose up and said, there is blood on your hands, I was not being hyperbolic. I was speaking to the real consequences of the votes that we as legislators take in this body. And when the speaker asks me to apologize what he is, uh, on behalf of decorum, what he is really asking me to do is be silent when my community is facing bills that get us killed. He's asking me to be complicit in this legislature's eradication of our community, and I refuse to do so, and I will always refuse to do so. I would also say that if you use decorum to silence people who hold you accountable, then in the name of the, all you are doing is using decorum as a tool of oppression. Additionally, when the speaker disallowed me to speak, what he was doing is taking away the voices of the 11,000 Montanans who, who elected me to speak on their behalf. What my constituents in my community did is came here and said, that is our voice in this body. Let her speak. Let her speak. And when the speaker gaveled down the people demanding that democracy work, demanding that their representative be heard, when he gaveled down, what he was doing is driving a nail in the coffin of democracy. But you cannot kill democracy that easily. So this new decorum rule-breaking scheme Republicans are trying out isn't just sad. It's about as legitimate as their investigations into voter fraud from the 2020 election. We see you, Republicans. Acting like black people and transgender women are an affront to your sense of decorum. Here's the thing, though. Your harebrained scheme to silence anyone you don't agree with or you still think is three-fifths of a person is about as transparent as the caudacity with which you enact updated Jim Crow laws to impose your child molester-friendly version of morality onto as many Americans as your laws will allow. But 2024 is coming, and I can guarantee every Republican from the State House to the People's House should be dusting off their resumes, just in case the inevitable happens and Gen Z comes out in droves to vote you all out of office and into a correspondent gig at your local Fox affiliate. And while we're on the subject of things you never thought you'd see, but here it is. There comes a time in every American politician's career when they've been in public service for over half a century. And although we're all grateful for their contributions over the past 51 years, it's probably best if they leave office and enjoy their much-deserved retirement. And it's not just me saying this. 70% of Americans think that current president and the only elected official to rock aviator glasses, who isn't part of the cast of 1984's Ron Howard classic cocoon, Mr. Joe Biden, should be accepting that he might be a one-hit wonder and let someone else run on the Democratic ticket. Unfortunately, no one on Joe's staff told him before he did this. President Biden is officially announcing he is running for re-election. Joe Biden made his re-election bid official on social media. He did it with a video titled Freedom. Well aware of concerns about his age, he hopes the American people will let him, quote, finish the job. Well, like I said before, and with the backing of 70% of Americans, Joe was just a little bit too old the first time he ran, okay? And he's going to be 86 by the time his potential second term ended. So if he's reelected, I don't know about you, but I don't trust any 82 to 86-year-olds I know to operate a toaster oven without supervision, let alone an entire nation. But 
let's hear old Joe out just for a moment because maybe he's got a good point. Every generation of Americans has faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. And this is our moment. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we're in a battle for the soul of America, and we still are. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead, we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do too. This is not a time to be complacent. That's why I'm running for re-election. Yeah, you know what? If it comes to the choice between a man who falls off of a bicycle and trips up a flight of stairs but forgets classified documents next to his 67 Corvette in his garage and the criminally indicted orange-tinted Floridian swamp thing that Republicans are propping up for a third time, yeah, Joe's got my vote. And let's move on now to some good news, which is rare these days, which is why I'm thrilled to discuss the best thing to happen to cable news since Bill O'Reilly was fired for being a creepy old man back in 2016. Roll tape. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. Fox News and Tucker Carlson announced that they are parting ways. Appears unexpected, at least last week on Friday. He said, see you Monday. We're not going to see him say goodbye. This is really stunning news coming from Fox. They say his last show was April 21st. They put out a very short statement. We have some news from within our Fox family. Fox News Media and Tucker Carlson have mutually agreed to part ways. Tucker's last show was this past Friday. And starting tonight, Fox News Tonight will air live at 8 p.m. Eastern. It will be an interim show with rotating Fox News personalities until a new host is named. We want to thank Tucker Carlson for his service to the network as a host and prior to that as a long-term contributor. Hey, I don't know about you, but I did not have Tucker fired from Fox on my 2023 bingo card, but here we are. And while there'll probably be an excess of white sheets in the costume department over at Fox now that old replacement theory Carlson isn't hackling his way into the hearts and minds of his pasty, paranoid audience every weeknight at 9 p.m., that's not the only void Schmucker's absence will create. Can we really trust Laura Ingram or Sean Hannity to warn everyone about the next time a chocolate candy decides to go woke or, at the very least, change their shoes so they're no longer sexually enticing to everyone who wants to eat them? And what about all that standing for Putin and the conspiracy theories and white nationalist propaganda fucker brought to three million angry white people's living rooms five nights a week? What are we going to do without this? American voters are being replaced by Democratic Party loyalists from other countries. White supremacy, that's the problem. This is a hoax, just like the Russia hoax. Mass immigration. We have a moral obligation to admit the world's poor, they tell us, even if it makes our own country poorer and dirtier and more divided. So it's not an actual threat of violence from Christians that's inspiring some trans people to buy AR-15s. No, it's the trans movement is the mirror image of Christianity and therefore its natural enemy. It might be worth asking yourself, since it is getting pretty serious, what is this really about? Why do I hate Putin so much? Has Putin ever called me a racist? Has he threatened to get me fired for disagreeing with him? Has he shipped every middle-class job in my town to Russia? These are fair questions, and the answer to all of them is no. Vladimir Putin didn't do any of that. So why does permanent Washington hate him so much? If you've been watching the news, you know that Putin is having a border dispute with a nation called Ukraine. 
As a side note, Fox let that bullshit go on air like clockwork for nearly a decade and all of a sudden they just can't stand by and let Moscow's American Goblin say one more bad thing on their airwaves. Not another word they said. And let's not gloss over the fact that Pucker Anelson really had no idea that on Friday, April 21st, that was his last show. Seriously, Fox told Fucker's team that he was not going to be going on air Monday or any day after that ever again on their network only 10 minutes before announcing to the public that the two of them were breaking up. The proof is in the sign-off. Here is the former bowtie enthusiast turned White Hood spokesperson ending what has now become known as Tucker's last goodbye. Wait a second, what a great way to end a week. Yeah. Truly, that was a great segment, and I'm just grateful that you came on, and I'm especially grateful for the pie. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Employee of the week, we're going to just make it of the year, Tyler Morrell of Coco's Pizza. That's it for us for the week. We'll be back. By the way, the entire episode of Let Them Eat Bugs, not quite as good as pizza, streaming now on Fox Nation. Use the promo code ORIGINALS for 30 days free. And we'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, have the best weekend with the ones that you love, and we'll see you then. <laughs> you never say that you're coming back because then you don't. Any self-respecting Scream fan knows that this is one of the big no-nos. Talking like that definitely, at the very least, will get you fired, which, let's say, would be the best outcome for everyone involved, except for maybe Brian Kilmeade. He's the go-to deer-in-the-headlights-looking host from Fox & Friends, who has been tasked with hosting Monday's first episode of Tucker Carlson Isn't Here Tonight. Here is the cringiest opening to a Fox show that I have ever heard. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Fox News Tonight. I am Brian Kilmeade. As you probably have heard, Fox News and Tucker Carlson have agreed to part ways. I wish Tucker the best. I'm great friends with Tucker and always will be. But right now, it's time for Fox News Tonight, so let's get started. Ooh, is it just me, or is Brian giving off the I really don't want to do this kind of vibe with that opener? Not that I blame him. Who'd want to sit in a chair that smells like Swanson's chicken dinner and white supremacy? And let's not forget, it's certainly a dark time for comedians everywhere, losing so much material all of a sudden. Kind of like how Fox's stock lost more than $900 million in stock options the same day that they announced Tucker's going to have to find a new home for his brand of neo-Confederate content. Oh, and I forgot to mention, this latest firing gives Fucker Charlton some bragging rights, believe it or not. Tucker has officially achieved something that I don't think anyone else in our industry can claim, being let go by all three major cable news networks. MSNBC, yes, he used to work here. CNN, after Jon Stewart humiliated him live on air. And now Fox. You know, that's something Cackles McWhitepride could be proud of. And I think he should lead with that street cred, if you will, during his first round of interviews with Newsmax and OAN, and instead of that, say anything stupid that comes to your mind, but in the form of a question style of broadcasting that was his other show, of course, that he was fired from. And about that firing, everyone's got a theory, but Fox isn't saying anything beyond their statement, and Pucker 
until recently was strangely quiet, not making any public remarks. So everyone was left to wonder, was it the $787 million payout to Dominion Voting Systems? Or perhaps the way he talked smack about the executives at Fox and text messages? Or was it something only those who worked for Lyerson's show would know, like former producer Abby Grossberg, who is currently suing Fox and Schmucker for a lot of shady shit? The Daily Beast reports that Tucker's repeated use of the C-word was a key factor in his demise. According to text messages from the Dominion lawsuit, Tucker referred to Trump lawyer Sidney Powell as the C-word, and a former producer at his show alleges she heard the word around the office constantly. Female politicians who came on the show were mocked. There were debates about who they'd rather sleep with. C-word all the time. Yeah, that sounds right on brand, but it doesn't feel like a reason for Fox to fire the host of their most watched show, giving up three million viewers five nights a week, unless there was something way worse happening. Because let's be honest, this network that exclusively hires skinny blondes to sit on couches with their skirts hiked all the way up, wearing six-inch stiletto heels to host the majority of their shows, probably isn't very concerned about objectifying women or the insults that come along with unchecked misogyny. And if you want to know how working under those kind of conditions was like for a woman producing Fucker's show, here is Abby Grossberg herself to explain it all. Roll tape. I show up first day of work. There are literally pictures like of Nancy Pelosi in a bathing suit in Europe, plastered all over. There was even one on my computer screen for the temporary computer I had to use and I had to take it down. Within a few days there, I was called into Justin Wells' office with Alex McCaskill, who was a senior producer as well, and asked if Maria was having an affair with Kevin McCarthy. He was looking for ratings bait, purely, uh, and was also looking for power. It was a combination of ratings and power and manipulating the audience. And manipulating also the political system, there was an aspect of, I can pick who the House Speaker is, I can pick who the President of the United States is, or who the Republican candidate's going to be. And I thought that was really dangerous and didn't want that kind of power. I didn't want to have um, Senate candidates calling me, being very upset, are you going to destroy our whole campaign tonight? Because he could do that, and he would call and tell them that, that if you don't participate or you don't come on the show, we will destroy you. And I was told to tell that to congressmen sometimes. Okay, now we're getting to it. See, it's a well-known secret that Fox founder Roger Ailes created the alleged news network as a conservative narrative to whatever was going on in the news in any given day. And Rupert Murdoch, who has been turning up the volume way past 11 on Rogers' conservative propaganda channel masquerading as a news network, since he took over for the company when Roger kicked the 10-piece bucket in the sky. As a side note, Rupert put up the capital for Fox when Roger was steering that crazy train, so it's not like Fox went under new management once Rupert assumed the helm. Fast forward to Abby Grossberg saying Tucker's delusions of fascism stemmed from his show in particular being the best place on cable for a 
incel sympathizing, white supremacy promoting, conspiracy theory touting mouth breather to speak to three million white Christian maggot viewers five nights a week. And this shit for brains trust fund baby isn't wrong about being able to destroy a Republican's candidacy in any race because he sets the narrative in the first place. I hate to say it, but fucker Charlton was just doing what Roger Ailes and his ride or die financier Rupert Murdoch intended their network to do. Inspire their audience with racially motivated bigotry and misogyny under the guise of Christian values so that their viewers would demand the same from their elected officials who would then pander to their base who were avid viewers of Fox, the alleged news network. And that, my friends, is the circle of fascism. So perhaps Rupert Murdoch, who reportedly called for Tuck's firing personally, had a Tony Stark moment, realizing that by creating a safe space for America's special brand of evangelical white supremacy, he had also paved the way for shit like January 6th. And wait a minute. Does Russia's favorite Swanson's trust fund baby still have those 40,000 hours of footage the worst Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy gave him so he could make a poorly edited attempt to paint the insurrection as a normal tourist visit? Maybe we'll get the answer to that question when Smartmatic's lawsuit goes through against Fox for $2.7 billion. Right now, Abby has been subpoenaed by Smartmatic and in the process is handing over audio tapes, emails, text messages, and whatever else she has that Fox does not want to go public, which is why they settled with Dominion. And remember, Kitty, Smartmatic doesn't have to settle with Fox. They could go to trial, making every embarrassing and hilarious detail about the inner workings of a network whose sole reason for existing is to spin the news in a white sheet and sprinkle some Jesus on top before serving it to poorly educated audiences 24 hours a day. And while we wait for the next lawsuit to begin... Did you know that Fox collects dirt on their hosts to use for nefarious purposes in the event that they have to? But Fox News is apparently prepared for the possibility that they might one day have to part ways with Tucker. Rolling Stone reported Fox News executives have in their possession a dossier of alleged dirt on Tucker Carlson should he attack the network in the wake of his departure. According to one former on-air Fox personality, the anchor and some of the channel's top executives are parting ways on the worst and messy as possible terms. Fox has reportedly assembled damaging information about Carlson. One source calls it an oppophile. Fox is prepared to disclose some of its contents if execs expect that Carlson is coming after the network. Okay, so Fox collects dirt on their own employees for a just-in-case moment, and that, my friends, is some next-level shit. Personally, I'm hoping the next one to get the boot is Sean Hannity, because he's been on the air at Fox for 14 years. And I don't know it for a fact that he's got a browser history consisting of thumb-sucking porn links and depend adult diapers on automatic reorder from Amazon. I just know it's true. So if anyone can confirm or deny these claims, it's certainly that oppo file that Fox has on old Sean McCuggies. Unfortunately, we'd only get to see all the juicy tidbits Fox has on their hosts, current and former, 
if they go public with their immense shade throwing. And thankfully, mouth breather Mick I Just Got Fired posted a very sad homemade video to Twitter, apparently from his bathroom. He is, I don't know, daring Fox in a shitposting on social media game. Here is Schmucker with the first stroke. The undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, demographic change, corporate power. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Both political parties and their donors have reached consensus on what benefits them, and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. Our current orthodoxies won't last. Hardly anyone's life is improved by them. The people in charge know this. That's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They've given up persuasion. They're resorting to force. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink and they become weaker. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. See you soon. Ugh, that was a nothing sandwich. Clearly, Tuckums is upset that he doesn't have three million maggots to talk to five nights a week about pressing issues like the Great Replacement Theory and which M&M he wants to fuck. And I guess now would be a perfect time, of course, for massive Tucker groupie from Georgia to give her Neolithic perspective on fuckers epic firing. Roll tape. For Fox News to fire Tucker Carlson, I think is it's an assault on our First Amendment. When a media company fires their top guy, the guy that's bringing them in the most money, the most revenue, the most ad dollars, it really shows Fox News caved to the woke mob. Tucker Carlson has been covering the news stories that Americans desperately want to hear because we don't hear them um, largely from the left biased mainstream media in this country. Oh, this barely sentient bag of Georgia dirt is just beside herself now that Bowtie McFuckstick was fired, which is hilarious in and of itself. But let's not get this whole thing twisted. Pucker Anelson's show was not bringing in the most ad revenue. In fact, that show had lost nearly all of its ad revenue by 2020 and only on the air at the pleasure of Rupert Murdoch himself. Back in 2018, Fucker Charlton lost 26 advertisers in one night because he pushed the great replacement bullshit he heard at his local KKK meeting that week. And as of 2020, he was still running in the red. And just from a purely business perspective, it made sense to give this trust fund baby a pink slip considering his show had been a financial drain since 2018. He talked smack about his bosses and text messages with co-workers, pushed QAnon conspiracies, and his weird sexual candy preferences on air five nights a week, tried to gaslight the events of January 6th with his fifth grade level editing skills and thought he could control political landscapes from his studio at Fox headquarters in New York. I mean, can you blame Fox for firing him? 
And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday. And follow us on social media wherever you can find us. This Week Again can be listened to on iHeartRadio, Audible, Spotify, Amazon Music, and basically anywhere else you listen. Thank you so much for listening tonight and to Der for now. <laughs>